Welcome to the latest podcast from Greyfriars Church in Reading. Our vision is to see Reading transformed by the love and power of Jesus. You can find out more on our website, greyfriars.org.uk. Enjoy. Okay, I'm going to try without my glasses. So um, if I have to uh, nip back, I can't do both. I can't read and look at you. And it's very important, I think, this morning to see you. Um, as well as obviously speak. So um, it's great to be here this morning. Thank you for the lovely welcome that Debs gave me right at the beginning. And if you haven't booked for new wine, there is still places available. <laughs> I use every opportunity to encourage you. I'm going in a tent this year, so I feel that you should share our, our experience. We normally go in a, in a caravan, but this year we're going in a tent. Now, at the beginning, um, Deb said uh, that I was going to be uh, delivering a sermon. Well, I'm going to just break and shatter that illusion because actually I feel it's more of a conversation with you to share a little bit about what I feel that God is saying to us through this passage and maybe to take a fresh look at this passage of the road to Emmaus. Natalie said to me, oh, you're going to unpack the gospel, but don't worry, it's not going to take that long, hopefully. But let's pray now as we uh, journey uh, together, as we unpack a little bit more about this story. So Father, <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your word. And we thank you that uh, you speak to us, that you take just these inadequate uh, thoughts and that you use them um, to speak truth into people's lives. And we pray this morning that we would be, uh, see more of you and be revealed uh, more of you in each one of our circumstances and each one of our lives. Amen. Okay. Okay, so this is a pretty familiar story, isn't it? The road to Emmaus. Uh, we have Cleopas and his companion as they traveled from Jerusalem uh, on this road to Emmaus. And we think that it was on the same day that Mary or the, the women at the tomb discovered that uh, the, the tomb was empty and Jesus was no longer there. Very familiar. But to be honest, I never really thought of it as anything more than a post-resurrection encounter with Jesus. But what I want us to do is to take this familiar story and, and actually look at it in a slightly different way. This story is not just about the reality of the resurrection, that Jesus is alive, but it's also this beautiful picture of these two followers of Jesus who, let's face it, have fled Jerusalem and are likely to be on the way back to their own village. Wrestling with everything that has happened over this last, not just days for them, but actually perhaps the months before that has led them to this point. Jesus no longer in the tomb. And for them, they don't understand or believe that Jesus has risen. It's beyond their understanding. Perhaps they're feeling disappointment. Maybe it's bewilderment. Maybe it's confusion on that journey. But also the story is about the revelation of Jesus ever present with them. Now, when I was um, kind of thinking about this uh, 
over this last week. It reminded me of something that happened, uh, well, 20, almost 27 years ago. And it was um, something that sticks in my mind. Don't worry, I've got over it since then, just. And I have asked my husband's permission whether I could share this, because I felt that that was very important. Have you ever had high expectations and found that they were not lived up to? Don't panic. We don't need to go on the marriage course quite yet. It was, can you picture it? It was our first Christmas when we were married. Uh, We got married in the October, and this was our first Christmas, and we were together on our own. And uh, there was great expectation. I love gifts. I, I like gifts. Okay. And we decided that we wouldn't spend any time with our family. It would just be this romantic time. And there underneath the Christmas tree <clears throat> was this beautiful parcel, all beautifully decorated. And of course, I'm thinking, this is perfume, or it's personalized jewelry, or it's something that's really, really meaningful to me. I had a lot of expectations. And I, and I kind of thought I would share what they were. So it was beautiful, it wasn't this box, obviously, but it was, you know, so I'm going to take that. So I opened it up, and this is what I found. Well, to start with, any guesses what it might be? First marriage, first, first Christmas together. Let's just emphasize that. It's a beautiful Denby mug. Now, I think... I, I thought he's joking. This is just the this is just the start. So I opened another one, and another one, and I opened six of them. And he was extremely pleased with himself. And I, shall I say, was a little disappointed, and to be quite un- understandably, quite ungrateful. But you know, nearly 27 years, we still have them. But I, but I use that as an illustration in a, in a kind of glib way, really, and because it's, it wasn't that important. And actually, Steve's gifts are very practical, and yeah, and they stand the test of time. <laughs> I think I should move on from here now. <clears throat> but actually, in this story that we read in this passage in Luke, we see that the disciples have been on quite a journey, haven't they? They have been on an enormous roller coaster. We don't know an awful lot about these two men, but we do know that they were close followers of Jesus, and they would have seen many, many things and heard many things about Jesus. They would have spent time with him, and they perhaps would have witnessed many, many miracles. But this is the context in which we find the story. Palm Sunday, the triumphal entry into Jerusalem with the people singing and waving palms and shouting Hosanna, welcoming Jesus. They must have thought, this is going to be pretty awesome. This man who we followed, this this is what it's all about. But then there's the Garden of Gethsemane the betrayal of Jesus. When Jesus has been dragged before Pilate, condemned to die, will it be Barabbas? Will it be Jesus? Will it be this thief? Or will it be the Son of God? 
condemned to die, whipped and mocked, a false crown of thorns placed on his head, traveling through that darkness of that Good Friday, and then the crucifixion itself, that agonizing death, Jesus, King of the Jews. You can imagine, <clears throat> you can imagine, can't you, or begin to imagine what that must look like to these two men. Crushed, I would imagine. Trying to make sense of everything that has happened, but not really recognizing Jesus, even when he journeyed with him along this road. And we know that in, <clears throat> excuse me, in verse 17 and 18, they stood their faces downcast. And they say, we had hoped, <clears throat> they say to the stranger, as he meets them along the road, we had hoped he was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. That's the part of the passage that we just read. They couldn't understand the supernatural working of God to raise Jesus. And I wonder, did they know Jesus or did they really know Jesus? And often that's our experience, isn't it? We can know a lot about Jesus. We can see that in other people's lives. But do we know him and really know him for ourselves? They were very likely to have very preconceived ideas, weren't they, of who Jesus was, what he had come to do, how he would do it, and what he would achieve. They have misplaced hope and trust. And despite this, all the warnings that Jesus had tried to give them throughout this journey with him, they didn't anticipate his death, and they were totally unprepared for it. I wonder what that conversation would have been like. Broken. And maybe you can resonate with some of those disappointments, those expectations that you have had about all kinds of things, whether it's illness or work or personal situations or even our world situation. We only just need to listen to the news and cry out, God, where are you in all of these things? And then the second part of that is actually about Jesus' response. He sees their sadness, but they don't recognize him. Now, if this was a sketch, what, we would, what we'd love to see is the two men are walking along the road, and Jesus jumps out and goes, ta-da, I'm alive, I'm here, I'm here. I, everything I said was true. Wouldn't that just have been amazing? Do you think we'd fall on our knees and go, wow, my goodness? And some of us are looking for that, aren't we? We're looking for that ta-da moment when God just comes in power and wham. But he didn't do that. He didn't reveal himself to them in that moment. And they were kept, as it says in the passage, from recognizing him. 
And what Jesus does is that Jesus then tells them how foolish you are in verse 25 to 26 and how slow you are to believe about all that the prophets have spoken about. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? Jesus' first reaction to them is to tell them that they're foolish and slow in their unbelief. And what does he do then? He attempts to help their unbelief by pointing out the truth that has already been revealed to them in the scriptures. I wonder what that conversation would have been like as Jesus unpacked the scriptures for them as they walked along that road. We don't know the detail, but we can but imagine. And I wonder... Did Jesus point to the verses in, well, we call them the verses in Isaiah 53, verse 3. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of suffering who knew what sickness was. He was like the one people turned away from. He was despised and we did not value him. Or in Isaiah 53, 7, he was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth like a lamb led to the slaughter and like a sheep silent before his shearers, he did not open his mouth. Jesus going through the Old Testament and explaining all the Masonic references, all the prophecies of his suffering, his death, and his resurrection. And for me, that's also a challenge, isn't it? About where we find our truth. Where are our roots and where are our foundations? How often do we remember or remind ourselves of God's truth in the Bible to look at his character and his faithfulness? Is that where we turn or are we waiting for some great experience? The importance of testimony of the scriptures. And I find that a real challenge. Is that where I turn in times of challenge or times of difficulty? But what I really love about this passage, and it speaks to me, um, is about this invitation to Jesus by these two men to join them in their home. All about hospitality, kindness, and welcoming to a stranger. Jesus chose to, re to reveal himself at the dinner table. And there's something about there, sharing a meal together that place of intimacy, that place of calmness and unhurriedness, where relationships are grown and strengthened, and it was through that breaking of bread together, that familiar routine, that Jesus revealed himself to those two followers, Cleopas and his companion. Perhaps Jesus wanted them to know him in a real everyday, in a practical, authentic way, no frills, no hype, no big Damascus Road experience, no writing on the wall, no dramatic revelation. He came in the quiet and simplicity, revealing himself. And I don't know about you, but so often I wish God would speak to me with some really big, clear, dramatic words. And yes, God does do that. But let's face it, for most of us through our lives, 
God reveals himself through the very ordinary things. Through the quiet prompting of words from a friend. Through his creation. And of course, through the Bible. But like the two companions, where they had their eyes open and their ears open and their hearts open to recognize who Jesus was. And perhaps just sometimes that is exactly what we need. We need to be able to see Jesus in the everyday, but that we need to be asking him to reveal himself to us through the everyday things around us. And not just waiting for Sunday, but being there on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Waiting for the new wine conference, or the spring harvest, or the big event, or the special worship event for God to reveal himself to us. And that's a really big challenge. We seek often the dramatic, the big experience that will really confirm but yet what God is challenging us and through this passage is that return to the scriptures and you will know me, you will see more of me. I think there's also some lessons around how we evangelize and how we share the gospel with others. Sometimes they just need to be rooted in relationships, person to person. So in, the, in this story, we see the slow steps of the broken, but how does it end? It ends with them knowing Jesus and turning on that road and, or on that home and running all the way back to Jerusalem to bear testimony to the risen Lord. They had to see for themselves. They had to be revealed for themselves. They couldn't rely on the testimony of others. They needed to know him himself. The story can speak to us in many different ways, on whatever journey that we are facing, whatever kind of roller coaster, ups and downs, twists and turns, stops and starts. We might face many disappointments in our work lives, in our home lives, in our marriages. I'm not saying about marriage, but I'm just, you know, wherever our certain in our relationships with others. Perhaps in our faithful praying and seeing not those answers yet. We might feel like those two companions as they walked along that road. We don't know whether they legged it to their village or whether they just trudged along one foot in front of the other. And yet God came to them in the form of Jesus to meet them as they struggled in that walk. The story is about hopelessness and loss, but also about how God comes to find us in those places. And those promises that we know that in Hebrew 13, 5, for he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So that story also demonstrates how God can transform us even in the midst of this bewilderment, in the midst of disappointment, and for some in the midst of loss. We've just been talking about the bereavement journey for many. 
It's a chance for us to rediscover Christ's presence in our lives and the challenge to think about where do we turn in those difficult times? Do we remember the faithfulness of God? Do we remember the journey that we've already been on and God standing with us along the way? I love this uh, picture. Um, I don't know who, the, uh, who it's from. I couldn't find who it was. But, but actually, there's the two men walking along on the journey. And sometimes God reveals himself in very clear ways. But that all the time, he is there walking with us side by side. And so that's the challenge for us, isn't it? this morning, to look at where we turn to, where is our hope, where are our foundations? But also, our challenge is, are we asking God to show more of himself to us through the everyday, as well as those corporate times together? We know we can rely on the word of God as the foundation of our faith, for it reveals who God is, and his promises in all things. Maybe what you need this morning, or what I certainly need this morning, is for God to reveal himself, sometimes in a new way, like those new shoots coming up through the ground. Maybe we are missing, and I know I often, I'm very often missing seeing Jesus in the busyness, too tired to listen, too close to listen or to hear or to see. And my prayer for us and for me is that during this week ahead, that we would be prompted to say to God, please in this everyday life, that you would just reveal more of yourself in that authentic and real way, just as he did at the table with those two companions. God, our prayer is that you would reveal more of yourself to us and to meet with us. And so we're going to stop there and we're going to um, go back to worship in a moment. But I think it's an opportunity for us just to pause. A pause to just maybe uh, open our hearts to ask God to reveal more of himself to us. It might be to reveal more of this joy, or it might be to stand with you through whatever circumstances and journey that you are on. But I think we need to have hearts that are open to hear from God, and eyes that are open, and ears to hear that still, small voice. So let's just be quiet for a moment, and then we'll continue in worship. Father, we know that often just being on this journey with you can feel sometimes a bit like a roller coaster and that we can also be sometimes feel disappointed and that we can feel sometimes a bit broken. 
and that we can cry out to you and say, God, where are you in this? But Father, we thank you that it's not a feeling. We stand on your truth and on your word and on your promises that you are with us every step of the way. And we pray now that you would come and meet with each one of us and help us, help us our hearts to be open to hear from you, to reveal more of yourself to each one of us in a way that's real. Amen.